Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. I'm Carol Clockabold, a member of Epworth. When I read this scripture in preparation for today, it seemed very dark and foreboding. It's Jesus' words after he has uh, predicted the fall of the Jerusalem temple. So I was glad when I got here this morning to see that Kristen's sermon title is Bringing, Finding Hope in the Mists of Chaos. So here, Luke 21 verses 25 to 36. There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth there will be dismay among the nations and bewilderment at the roar of the surging sea. People's courage will fail completely as they realize what is threatening the world, for the very powers of heaven will be shaken. Then people will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and splendor, But when these things begin to happen, look up, hold your heads high, for you will soon be free. Then he gave them a parable. Look at the fig tree, or indeed any tree. When it begins to burst its buds and you realize without anybody telling you that summer is nearly here. So when you see these things happening, you can be equally sure that the kingdom of God has nearly come. Believe me, this generation will not disappear until all this has taken place. Earth and heaven will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be on your guard. See to it that your minds are never clouded by dissipation or drunkenness or the worries of this life, or else that day may catch you like the springing of a trap, for it will come upon every inhabitant of the whole earth. You must be vigilant at all times praying that you may be strong enough to come safely through all that is going to happen and stand in the presence of the Son of Man. Last Advent, I shared uh, with you all that one of my family's Christmas traditions was to listen to a story by John Henry Falk, the formidable storyteller and radio host, also a Methodist, uh, from Texas. 
The story was is entitled simply Christmas Story. And some of you told me that you Googled it and you're incorporating it into your own family's Christmas tradition now. And so I commend it to you once again. You can find it by Googling John Henry Falk or Christmas Story or, or Christmas Story and Oranges. Uh, NPR plays it every year. So you may just stumble across it as we did the first time we heard it. But we're not there yet. <laughs> Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and so I want to lift up another story from this great storyteller, John Henry Falk. John Henry and his best friend, Boots, had been asked by John Henry's mother to go to the barn and deal with a chicken snake who was stealing all of the eggs. And so these little boys put on their boots and they put on their cowboy hats and they decided that they would pretend that they were Texas Rangers dealing with a dangerous criminal. And they slunk into the barn and they climbed up the ladder to where they thought and believed that the nest of this snake was. And they looked around and they, and they, they thought maybe the snake left. They didn't see any sign of it. So they breathed a sigh of relief, and just as they had decided that all was well, all was clear, the snake reared up right in their faces and startled them so much that they tried to turn around too fast and fell down the ladder and, and fell right into a roll of bailing wire and got all scratched up, and they, they ran out of the, the barn and into the house and they busted into the house, and John Henry's mother said to him, John Henry, you know that chicken snakes are harmless. They can't do anything to you. To which John Henry said, yes, mama, but sometimes something can scare you so much that you'll hurt yourself. In the middle of chaos, whether that be from being startled uh, by something unexpected yet momentary, or being caught up in loss and destruction, or illness or grief, or just the challenges of living with the demands of the 21st century, it's easy to lose our grounding. We can forget why we're here, and we are in danger of becoming the chaos, and then in our fear and our confusion, doing even more damage. Advent, this season of preparation before we experience the exaltation of Christmas, always begins in chaos. The lectionary, which is our three-year cycle of scriptures that takes us through the Bible that a lot of preachers follow, I follow it for the most part, gives us a gospel text every first Sunday of Advent that reflects not peacefulness and angelic harmonies that we often associate with Christmas, but chaos. Hear these words again from our scripture today from Luke, which you heard Carol read. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. Why? That's what Carol was asking. Why? Why do we start here? Why 
Do we start in chaos? Everyone I know needs a break from chaos. How do we get out of chaos, we wonder. And I think that often we imagine that the movement uh, through the Sundays of the season will lead us out of chaos. We'll start in chaos, but as we draw closer and closer to the birth of Christ, we will draw closer and closer to peace and quiet and order. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes that is how it goes. And it is this experience of exhaling and sinking into the magical Christmas spirit. But actually, and maybe most of the time, not. I hear more people saying how they struggle to find the Christmas spirit or that they've been too busy to pause and reflect on the season, that the chaos of the first Sunday of Advent becomes the chaos of the second Sunday and, and so on right until the moment of collapse after the Christmas dinner dishes have been put away. But what if what we're looking for is in the chaos? What if the work of preparation isn't to leave the chaos behind, but actually to redeem it? What if Christmas is chaos? During Thanksgiving week, I traveled to Kansas City with my family to help my mom move fully into a senior living community. She had already moved her primary furniture, her bed and her desk and her dressers and her clothes about a month ago. But a major part that remained to be moved from the house that she has lived in for 40 years was her office. When I arrived, it was the only room in the three-bedroom, thousand-square-foot home that had not been pretty much emptied out. And the office still held files and boxes of files and stacks of paper that needed to be carefully culled, distinguishing what could be recycled and shredded from what really needed to be kept and organized for transport. And as I looked into the room, my heart sank. <laughs> and I thought, I thought a lot more had been done than this. I don't know how I'm ever going to get through this in the week, really five days, that I have. The word chaos applied. So I sat down and I began. And as I went file by file, new details of the woman I have known all my life emerged, painting an even more beautiful picture of my mom. From the file containing her college and graduate school transcripts, I learned that the only C's she ever got were in fencing and bowling. <laughs> My mom is not an athletic woman, and I can just imagine her thinking, I've got to fill this PE requirement, so what's the least strenuous thing I can choose? <laughs> she still came up with C's, but almost everything else was solidly A's. I knew that she had taken a big leap of faith when I was in college 
after having gone back to get a second master's degree in school counseling. She moved from teaching high school to being a counselor at an experimental school, which was an alternative to juvenile detention for students in middle school, junior high. What I didn't know was that she took a pay cut that was almost a third of her already pretty modest salary, perhaps an unwise financial decision at that point in her life, but a decision that was based on her strong convictions and her passion for service. As I sat in the midst of mountains of paper and lots of dust swirling, each file opened became blessing upon blessing. The blessing, these details of my mom's life that emerged like fingerprints from the files were there all along. I just couldn't see it until I entered into the middle of the chaos. A dear friend of our family from Boston came to visit a couple of months ago, and as we were catching up, she shared with us that she had begun partnering with an organization called Hospitality Homes. Hospitality Homes connects people who have an extra bedroom with people who are coming into Boston to receive treatment at one of their world-class hospitals. She's had many stay with her, sometimes a single spouse or a parent, sometimes a whole family. Sometimes they need someone to talk to when they come back from the hospital, and sometimes they just need to be alone in a peaceful place. Our friend told us that it is one of the most meaningful things she's ever done in her life, and that being able to provide a quiet, accessible place for people to come and go from in the midst of the chaos of a health crisis has been an incredible blessing for her. She entered chaos and she found blessing. I texted her last night to let her know I planned to mention this in my sermon and make sure it was okay with her. And, and I reached her, and her with her mom and her sister in New Orleans. She said a family she had hosted twice who lived a, uh, a couple hours away from the city had driven in so they could show her and her family around. The blessing from chaos continued. After beginning in chaos, our scripture goes on to say, Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near, that redemption is near. Now take a minute and think about a fig tree. Fig trees look like chaos. Fig trees are not really one of the things that we think of as a classically beautiful tree. They have these big, awkward leaves. They have spindly, spread-out trunks and branches. If you ever try to, to pick a fig before it's ready, you'll get that, that white sap that makes your skin itch. The, the fig is an odd and formidable tree. They're fruiting twice a year, which can make uh, a huge mess. But if we move into the middle of the fig tree and pick a fig, it is delicious. 
one of the most exquisite tastes for most of us. I recognize not everyone loves figs, but still fantastic and beautiful. And if you cut into the middle of the fig, it's a work of art. An article in the National Geographic once described a fruiting fig tree as a riot of life. The scripture tells us that when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. In other words, when you see some disorderly, chaotic riot of life, rather than avoiding it or running from it, embrace that in somewhere in all of that, the kingdom of God is near. You know, in every comedy that was ever made, I think, there's a chaos scene. Whether it's the scene from the classic Christmas movie, Home Alone, where the mother of the family of five realizes uh, that she's left her youngest son home alone as the family's plane for Paris takes off from O'Hare, or just about every episode of I Love Lucy, chaos is a staple of comedy. Why? Well, I believe it's because when we can get above chaos and see it for what it is, we realize that chaos is us. Chaos is human. And into this very chaos, it is that God comes to us as human. You see, Advent isn't the work of getting out of chaos. It's the realization that God came into it. God, in infinite love, chose to get right into the middle of chaos, to sit in the mess, to give up power and control, and to enter into the chaos of humanity and show us that to reach out in love, to let go, and to be is life. And so this Advent, I invite you to embrace the chaos. See what blessing is swirling in the mess and the dust. Be hope and peace by reaching out to someone else sucked into this whirlwind. Try to, give above, try to get above it to be able to laugh at the humanity of it all. We are in this together. And the best part? God chooses to be in it with us, too.